Hello, and welcome to The Bible and Culture, a podcast that combines a life-shaping study of the scriptures, the authentic ministry of Christian poetry, and practical observations of our culture. I'm Vernon L. Harper, minister, poet, and author. Join me in exploring content that builds the Christian life, equips the Christian poet, and explores issues important to us all. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. Today's episode is entitled, Love Not the World, and the scripture we are examining is found in 1 John 2, 15-17. This episode addresses the biggest challenge to the Christian in today's world. This challenge can be summed up as a battle between cultural Christianity and biblical Christianity. This is not surprising. From the beginning, there has always existed two expressions of the Christian faith. There is biblical Christianity, derived from the biblical text and expressed through any given culture, but there is also the worldly counterfeit cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity is derived from a given culture with little or no reference to the biblical text. These two versions of the Christian faith have been in conflict since the time of the apostles with the souls of you and I hanging in the balance. Our souls still hang in the balance, and we will use today's scripture study to defend our souls in this present world. The poem for today's episode continues on this theme and is entitled Labels and Questions. It examines the Christian life submerged in the culture of this world, the breath of life supplied by God, and the choice we make to breathe the culture or the life-giving breath from God. For the poets listening, Labels and Questions is made up of eight couplets. The reason for this is I have found that a structured discipline, imposed even in free verse, allows the poem to escape my own preconceived ideas of what it should be. It seems like a contradiction, but it is usually true that self-imposed structure allows your poem to become free. This poem is from the book Christian Poems and Other Radical Explorations, available on Amazon, and it can be viewed with a more detailed explanation of how it came to be on our The Bible in Culture Patreon page. Now on to the episode. Labels and Questions Christian has come to mean something other than little Christ. Some things like judge, jury, executioner, or very nice and very fake. We are perceived as the culture and its master intends. Do we work hard enough to topple the stacked deck? Or do we plant it, water it, contribute to its growth? Christians must live in this world submerged, this world baptized in Noah's flood. The questions, keep on your helmet, or tragically inhale the water. In any case, there is God up above, in the light, lovingly working the pumps. This message for today is entitled, Love Not the World. And the scripture we are using as our main focus is 1 John 2, 15-17. And it reads, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, 
and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. John in the scripture is at once warning us against the world invading our faith and giving us a doorway into deeper understandings. John's words sound cryptic and even confusing, but if we take these words to heart, it will help us navigate through these troubled times. Now, how is it that we love the world? What is the world? How does this world relate to us? These are our questions we must answer if we are to live a triumphant life in Christ Jesus. Now, according to the Apostle John, the world is made up completely of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. But what exactly does that mean? The Greek word cosmos is translated world in the Greek Bible and denotes three ideas. First, the physical world, as in the example given in Matthew 13, 35. There, God speaks of the foundations of the world. Secondly, cosmos could mean all of humanity inhabiting the world, as in the example of John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, there, Jesus is speaking of all the people in the world. But the third meaning is not speaking of the physical earth or the people living on the earth. This third meaning speaks of a wicked nature that submerges us in an environment hostile to God and intent on driving us away from God. First Corinthians 319 tells us that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. First Corinthians 731 tells us that this world is passing away. Romans 12 2 tells us to not be conformed to this world or live a life according to the world's ways. James 4 and 4 tells us that to be friends with this world is to be God's enemy. This world that John tells us not to love is not people or a place, but a system of thought, a way of doing things, a dark nature. John tells us this world pulls us away from God through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. This is where it gets confusing. But the truth is we all have a practical knowledge of what the world is, even if we don't quite understand what God is trying to say to us in the scripture. We lock our doors at night. We teach our children to stay away from strangers. We don't leave our wallets or purses unattended. We have a real practical everyday knowledge of the nature of this world. The nature of this world is further seen in the fact that yearly the world produces enough food to feed every man, woman and child on the planet. Yet every day someone starves to death. The world is letting people die from curable diseases. The world is funding both sides of the illegal drug war. Throughout history, we have had wars, pandemics, and oppressions. So we shouldn't be surprised when we face global pandemics, civil unrest, and political turmoil. If it seems to you that too many people are losing their minds and everything is going crazy, you're not wrong. Just know that it is nothing God hasn't seen before, and he has always preserved his people under every circumstance. It might help us, though, to understand just how old this world that John is speaking about is, its origin and how we can overcome it in our hearts, no matter what is going on around us. The origin of the three-pronged deception of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life is revealed to us in Genesis 3.6 with the fall of humanity. Genesis 3.6 reads, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. 
Now, before we go any further, I just want to say, don't try to use the scripture to bash women. There is no human and vice human in scripture. We will deal with all the questions raised by this in another episode, but today we're not using this to bash women. (laughs) Remember that the fall in scripture is referred to always as the sin of Adam. That's for a reason. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Just a little something extra there. The fall of humanity gave birth to the nature of this world as it caused Adam and Eve to express the lust of the flesh when Eve saw that the fruit was good for food, the lust of the eye when she saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye, and the pride of life when she saw that the fruit would make them wise. As humanity began to express this three-pronged nature into creation, the world that John described was born. This world was born here in Eden with the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. These initial observations of Eve became the world John is writing about and that we experience every day. What John calls the lust of the flesh was born when Eve saw that the fruit was good for food. The fruit appealed to Eve's biology, her physical appetites. What John calls the lust of the eye was born when Eve saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye. This represents her soul's appetite. A house, a car, jewelry doesn't appeal to our biological appetites because we don't want to eat them or we can't get drunk from them, but we can lust after them just the same. What John calls the pride of life was born when Eve saw that the fruit would make them wise. This is self-importance. Thinking that our own knowledge is sufficient for every situation. It is human wisdom that seeks to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. It is this battle against human wisdom that Paul speaks about in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. Now, your body's natural appetites, having nice things or being confident in your own knowledge and abilities are not bad in and of themselves. But when they spread beyond their God-given boundaries, they become lust or pride. When we express these into creation, we create the world that John is warning us about. The world is our doing. Now, you might say that I am not part of this. I'm not making any children starve or any of the other implied lust of the flesh or lust of the eye or the pride of life uh, that we find in the world. We have to be careful when we say these things. We may think we are standing, but we are actually falling. Let's look at a parable that may make this a little more clear to us. Once upon a time, there were two employees on a job. One was called Brother Christian, the other Brother World. Both Brother Christian and Brother World attended the same church. Both brothers Christian and brother world prayed at church one Sunday to be used of God. As it happens, both brother Christian and brother world were being persecuted by their manager. Mr. Manager gives them unfair schedules, cuts their paychecks and tries to get them suspended. One day, Mr. Manager called brother world into his office for his unfair review. But a strange thing happened before they knew it. The manager was telling Brother World about his entire life. The manager was telling Brother World that he was afraid he would be removed as a manager and he didn't know if he could survive. Mr. Manager told Brother World that his only son was on trial for a serious crime and he felt like he was at the end of his rope. On hearing this, Brother World smiled to himself and said, I'm sorry you are having such a hard time, but we all have problems. Look at me. I root for the Cleveland Browns. I'm sure your problems will work out. Brother World then walked out of Mr. Manager's office. 
Brother Christian was just outside the door and overheard everything. He walked into Mr. Manager's office and said, I have a prayer list of names of people that I pray for every night. Is it okay that I add you to it? What makes me feel encouraged is going to church, hearing the word preached and praying. If you like, I can pick you up. Oh, don't worry about me going out of my way. That's why I have a steering wheel on my car. It helps me go out the way when I need to. I even heard the Browns one, so we'll have something to celebrate at church. So the question is, which brother answered the call of God and which one expressed the world into creation? This story may not be Cinderella, but we should all be asking ourselves if the shoe fits. And if it does, it is Jesus that gives us the perfect example of loving not the world. In Luke 4, 1-4, when Jesus is tempted with the lust of the flesh, being told by the devil to turn stones to bread, Jesus replies out of the scriptures. He quotes Deuteronomy 8 and 3. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here he overcomes the lust of the flesh, his biology. In Luke 4, 5 through 8, when Jesus is tempted with the lust of the eye, when Satan shows him all the kingdoms in the world and then quotes 91, then quotes, excuse me, Psalm 91, 11 out of context, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6 and 13. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Here, Jesus overcomes the lust of the eye. And in Luke 4, 9 through 12, when Jesus is tempted with the pride of life at the Temple Mount in full view of potential followers, Jesus answers these temptations with Deuteronomy 6, 16. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus is our example. We must read, study and understand scripture to overcome the world with all its stresses, discouragement and attacks on our very souls. It is the correct use of the scriptures that helps us defeat the hardships we face and the deceptions of the devil. In fact, it is a life expressed through scripture that Jesus expresses into creation. And it is our understanding of scripture that decides whether we will express God's will or the nature of this world into creation. It is scripture that allows us to actively defeat the world's three pronged deception and live a life of victory in Christ Jesus. It is through the example of Jesus and the power of the scripture that we learn to love, not the world. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for being with us and blessing us and teaching us out of your word. Heal us, Lord. Deliver us. Give us peace of mind in these troubled times. Give us rest in our spirits and in our souls. Lead us back to the scriptures. Lead us to your life. Lead us to a clearer understanding of what our life is in this present world. Help us to express you into creation. Help us to show your love to the people we interact with on a daily basis. We thank you for all these wonderful things in the name of Jesus. by this week's episode of The Bible and Culture. If you were, share your blessing with others on social media and support our existence on Patreon. Don't forget to visit us at PoetNTW.com. There you can visit our poetry and other ministries. Thank you and God bless. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy 
to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion, power, both now and forever. Amen.